baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ. So just think about that for a, for a moment and skip down with me to verse 14 in Genesis chapter 1. Let me read here as well. In verse 14, God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of heaven. And here again, He uses this word to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Let them be for lights in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And he set them in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness and God saw that it was good. <clears throat> now, there are several things in this next verse or in this these last few verses that I've read that I'd like for you to consider. When God created the heavens and the earth, He had already created these lights. And if you'll look with me in verse 14, when He began to restore everything in Genesis chapter 1, or to replace it, or to refurbish it. This was the purpose of these lights. In verse 14, he says, let them be for signs. So the sun is telling you something. The sun is telling you something. And you might say, uh, well, that's changed. Well, let me ask you to hold your hand here for just a minute and turn with me to Luke chapter 21 for a second. Luke chapter 21. <clears throat> In Luke chapter 21, these are the words of the Lord Jesus Himself. <clears throat> and He knows because He's the one that created them. In Luke chapter 21, um, in verse 24, the Lord Jesus said uh, that many would fall by the edge of the sword and Jerusalem would be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Look at verse 25. And there shall be signs in the sun. Same thing that said in Genesis chapter 1. The sun 
He's given us signs. Do you know what they are? And every day when you wake up and you see the sun, do you know what God's telling you? Oh, but you would say in Genesis chapter 1, He doesn't call these two great lights the sun and the moon. He just says in verse uh, 16 of Genesis chapter 1, there is a greater light and a lesser light. Why do you think that the Word of God would tell us that? Why didn't He just say one or the other? Because He wanted us to figure this out that greater means something that is superior to something else. There was the greater light and the lesser light. After sin entered the earth and the Lord began to restore things in Genesis chapter 1, He wanted us to see something about what was going to happen in the future and what it was is the greater light is telling us that there's going to be a government of the day that will be greater than the government of the night. Do you, you know, did you get that? Uh, there'll be a class after church to tell you about that later, but there's a greater light. And this greater light was to rule the day The lesser light was the kingdom that we live in now which would rule the night. Well, why would the greater light be greater than the lesser light? Do you know why? Because the greater light will continue forever. The lesser light won't because in the Revelation 21-25, there will be no night there. So then, I want you to think, I want you to think of the, of the sun. Do you know the first time that the word sun is used in Scripture. It's in Genesis chapter 15. Do you know what it's in regards to? (laughs) The covenant with Abraham to possess the land that God gave to him and to his seed. So when you see the Son... And you see, <clears throat> and you see many things that occur. 
just remember that the Son is a sign to you that the covenant of Abraham is valid. Now then, I want you to look with me for a minute to Genesis chapter 8. We're still just talking about about the Son. Look with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 8. And I want to um, to just briefly mention two or three things, and and then we'll we'll close. Look in Genesis chapter eight, and verse twenty-two, the last verse, Genesis chapter eight. <clears throat> In verse 22, the Lord makes a covenant with uh, Noah and with all of mankind in Genesis 9. And in verse 22, the Lord makes a promise. He said, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. And so when you wake up and you see the sun shining and when the sun goes down, uh, you'll know every day is a sign that the promises of God are valid and true. Every day, God gives you a message. And did you know that many people worry about people who have not heard the gospel? This is almost, this is almost a significant testimony of unbelief. God Almighty has always spoken to all people. He has dealt especially with the nation of Israel. But as a for instance, when Abraham told this king that Sarah was his sister, what happened? God spoke to that king and said, Hey, buddy, you better not do this. Uh, and God repeatedly speaks. When Esther uh, was involved with Mordecai, what did God do? He wouldn't let the king go to sleep. When Daniel was in the den of lions, he wouldn't let Darius go to sleep. God deals with people in a special way. And so, when you see the sun day and night, is the promise that God made. But what significance is that? What, what does that mean in regards to the Son? Look with me in your Bibles to another place. In the Psalms, chapter 19, for a minute. <clears throat> look, look at this for a second, and then we'll, we'll go somewhere else. Look in Psalms 19. 
The psalmist says in Psalms 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. Do you know what he's saying? Oh, we'll say, oh, look how pretty the sky is tonight. No, no, no. No. He's saying that the heavens are giving to you a message of the coming glory of God. Look at this. And the firmament showeth his handiwork. <clears throat> day unto day uttereth speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. There's no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. <laughs> God speaks to the whole world because one day the knowledge of the glory of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. This is God's promise. So then what is he telling us here in verse 4? Their line is gone out through all the earth, their words to the ends of the world, in them hath he a tabernacle for the sun. And the sun, which is as a bridegroom. Who is the bridegroom? Coming out of his chamber and regardeth, rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. When you see the sun, you should be reminded of two things, a bridegroom and a race. Well, what does, what does this have to do with us? Because we are to run the race that's set before us and to run lawfully in order to win the prize in the time of the Lord's coming in His kingdom. Now, I don't know if you can kind of get the gist of what I'm trying to uh, convey to you or not, but the Son is telling us something every day. Every day He's telling us something. He's telling us of the time when He's made a promise and He's faithful to that promise. Uh, he's telling us of a time uh, when the bridegroom is coming forth to run a race and we are to run that race and we are to uh, be faithful in order to receive the prize of the coming kingdom of the Lord Jesus. Now then, I want to go into something <clears throat> before I close that um, uh, will, be, will be meaningful. Let me ask you to turn with me in your Bibles to several little places here. Look with me in 2 Samuel chapter 7 for just, just a minute. 2 Samuel chapter 7. Here's another covenant that God makes. 
In 2 Samuel chapter 7, look in verse 12 through verse 17. This is a covenant that God makes with David. And in verse 12 of 2 Samuel 7, he says, When thy days be fulfilled, you'll sleep with your fathers, and I will set up thy seed after thee. And this word seed here applies to initially Solomon, but in a future tense, it applies to the Lord Jesus Christ. Nelson, if you can't get here on time, just get here as soon as you can. Here it is. <laughs> Alan, he hadn't changed a bit. He's always Bahama Mama, but anyway. This is why in the New Testament, Romans chapter 1, that Jesus Christ is referred to as made after the seed of David. This is why Gabriel uh, told Mary, the child you're about to bear will reign on the throne of his father, David. That's why Matthew says that Jesus Christ's generations was that he was the son of David. This will be fulfilled literally in the time of the coming of the Lord Jesus himself. But this is the covenant that God made with, with David. In the 13th verse here, he says he'll build a house and he'll establish the throne of his kingdom forever. That didn't happen with Solomon, but it will with the Lord Jesus. I'll be his father, he'll be my son, and if Solomon commit iniquity or any of the descendants of David, I'll chasten them with rod and with the stripes, but my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul. Thy house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. That's the promise that God made to David to be fulfilled in the time when Jesus Christ will come in. But you'd say, Brother Royce, what in the world does that have to do with the Son? We look up and see the Son, we're supposed to remember the Davidic covenant? Yes, sir. But there are those who are teaching that this covenant that God made with David is now no good. That it's, it's gone. 
but that's not true. If you read the 89th Psalm, let me ask you to turn there for a minute. Psalms 89. Look what the Lord said in verse 3. I've made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David my servant. Thy seed will I establish forever and build up thy throne to all generations. And the heavens shall praise thy wonders, O Lord, thy faithfulness, also in the congregation of the saints. Do you see that he refers to the heavens? Why does he refer to the heavens? Look with me for a minute, if you will, in, um, in verse 28 of the psalm. My mercy will I keep for him forever, and my covenant shall stand fast with him. His seed will I make to endure forever, and his throne as the days of heaven. Look in verse 34. My covenant will I not break, after the th or, nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. I have found David my servant. It shall be established forever as the moon, as a faithful witness in heaven. What does that have to do with the sun? Turn with me on to your right to Jeremiah chapter 33 for a minute. Look at these verses in Jeremiah chapter 33. Look down with me for a minute to verse 14 in Jeremiah chapter 33. The Lord says, The days come, saith the Lord, that I will perform that good thing which I have promised to the house of Israel and to the uh, house of Judah. In those days, at that time, will I cause the branch of righteousness to grow up unto David, and he shall execute judgment and righteousness in, in the land. If you look in verse 17, the Lord says, David shall never want a man to sit upon the throne of the house of Israel. And in verse 19, he says, The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. And in verse 20, it says, If you can break my covenant of the day. Do you remember Genesis 8.22? God made a covenant with man that as long as the earth remains, there would be day and night. And when God's talking about his covenant with David, he says, 
if you can break my covenant of the day and my covenant of the night, that there should not be day and night in their season, then may also my covenant be broken with David my servant, that he should not have a son to reign upon his throne with the Levites and the priests. Do you see what the son's saying? Have you ever missed a day when there was no sun? I'm not talking about clouds and rain. There's always been a sun. For how many years? Since the days of the flood. Day and night, every day. And do you ever think of that? Now, every morning I'm sure you wake up and you say, Oh boy, God's covenant with David still in place. Don't say, I know you'd be lying if you said you did. But uh, Do you see how everyday common things can cause us to lose sight of the time of glory that is yet to come? If you can break the, my covenant, of the day, then maybe you could break my covenant with David. And you can't. The kingdom rule of the Lord Jesus Christ is a solid, biblical, theological doctrine in anyone interested in the truth of the Bible. Now you'd say, where does that put us? Do you know how precious the covenant that God made with David really is? It's, let me, let me put it to you like, with what I have said to you, with what I've said to you, can you see the importance and the significance of it? And in the New Testament, when you read about people and they say, Son of David, it means that they recognize the covenant that God made with David. Do you know one of the people who did that? If you read in the Bible in Mark chapter 10, you read about a fella whose name is not given. We erroneously call him Bartimaeus. That wasn't his name. Because that was just signifying to us that he was Bar, son of his father Timaeus. But his name's not given. He was a beggar. 
He was a lowly beggar. Now listen to me. And he was blind. And he cried out, Jesus, thou son of David. And everybody, all the theologians, and all the religious folks said, quiet that man down. Don't let him. But he cried the more. Do you know what Jesus did? He stood still. And said, bring that man to me. And he restored his sight and told him to follow a beggar. This is good for every one of us to recognize the covenant and see the sign in the Son that the kingdom rule of the Lord Jesus Christ will come to this earth because of God's faithfulness and so forth. It's a sign that one day as Jesus' face on the Mount of Transfiguration, shined as the sun, and we'll be like Him if we were faithful to Him. And the Bible says in Matthew 13, the righteous shall shine as the sun. And every morning, it ought to thrill our hearts that one day we won't have to face the Senate Judiciary Committee. In hell. But anyway, um, why did all this happen, do you think? It's all through the scripture, it's not new and it's not foreign. Do you remember a woman named Hannah? And I'm not going to ask you to turn, but I am going to read this to you. Hannah prayed after the Lord gave her a son. And in 1 Samuel chapter 2, this is part of her prayer. And this is part of what will happen in the kingdom. In 1 Samuel 2, it says that she prayed, The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory just like he did Bartimaeus it's for you it's for us it's for every one of us it's for the lowly now if you were going to give the genealogy 
of Mary. And in Luke chapter 3, that genealogy is given. And if you, if you look at that, and I want you to turn to Luke chapter 3 for a minute. Let me point something out to you. Luke chapter 3. And I'm sure this is one of your uh, devotional chapters. You, you read this quite often. Which was the son of, which was the son of, which was the son of, which was the son of. Do you know why the Lord puts that there? To see how long you're going to read it, I guess. But... Uh, <laughs> But really, do you, know, do you know why he puts it there? I was on my way to a street meeting one time and this, had no idea what this man says. Look in First Chronicles chapter uh, 9 and just read that. That'll be, and it was wheelbarrow begot thingamajig and all like this, and he begot this, and he, <laughs> and it finally gets down to Jabez's prayer. Why does the Lord do that? Do you know why He does it? Human history is a repetition of boring failure. But look in verse 31 of Luke chapter 3. And then it says, you know, who was the son of who was the son of? And then look at the look at the last part of verse thirty-one, which was the son of Nathan, which was the son of David. Huh. Luke must have made a mistake here. Shouldn't he have put Solomon? If he wanted to make it elite and high and mighty, shouldn't he have put Solomon? Oh, no. He put Nathan. Who was Nathan? 2 Samuel 5, he was David's son. What did Nathan do? You, don't even, you didn't even know he was David's son, did you? What did Nathan do? He didn't do anything. He was just of the seed of David. Well, but what does that mean? Turn with me in your Bibles back to Zechariah chapter 12 for a minute. And I know this is a lot of turning, but it'll unstick part of the pages of your Bible that you hadn't been using that much. Zechariah chapter 12. Look down in chapter 12. Look in verse 8, and let me skip through there for a minute. In that day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem, 
And he that's feeble among them at that day shall be as David. And the house of David shall be as God, as the angel of the Lord before them. And it'll come to pass that I will seek to destroy the nations that come against Jerusalem. I'll pour upon the house of David and the house the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. And he says many other things. And he says in verse 12, the land shall mourn and the family of the house of David and their wives and the family of the house of Nathan when Jesus comes to rule and reign. He recognizes Nathan. That should mean something to each one of us when we see the sun, the unbreakability of the covenant that God has made with David and the fact that it does not mean we have to be high and mighty or that we have to accomplish great feats. We just have to be faithful. And even though no one knows our name, and even though no one recognizes all the great things that we have done, Jesus raises the beggar from the dunghill and he stops to listen to every one of us who recognize the truth that he's coming again in his kingdom. And I know that won't make a Pentecostal out of you, but uh, it should. When you see the sun, do you recognize the signs that he's telling you? There's a race to be run. There's a glory that's coming. And one day, let me tell you, Malachi says something that should touch each one of us. In Malachi, the son of righteousness, and it's S-U-N, will appear with healing in his wings. Did you know that one day the sun will shine seven times brighter than it ever has? Isaiah 30, 26. Did you know that one day, just as Joshua prayed and the sun stood still, Bartimaeus the beggar prayed and Jesus stood still. He listens to the prayers of those who are lowly. Someone would say, oh, but you believe that about the Son? I believe every word of it. But that's not the earth, someone that's moving. I don't know that. I just guess that's true. I just know the Bible says the Son stood still. And my Methodist brother, John Merrill, told me, he said, Royce, 
as a young minister, you don't have to understand everything. If the Lord tells you to jump into the rock, you jump. It's your place to obey. It's God's place to make a way in that rock for you. And that's true with you. What does the sun mean? Now, I guess I'm going to preach till it rises in the morning. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm not, and I'm going to quit. <laughs> You thought I was going to, Tracy, didn't But anyway, I'm not. I'm through. I just want you to know the ordinary things in life are the things that God's using to teach us great truths in His Word. Hope you've enjoyed some of the thoughts. God bless you. If perchance you happen to think I was gonna, you were gonna go home after that first message, aren't you glad you stayed? Yeah, Amen, Brother Ken. What a day! It's been an interesting day.